Tapping into the power of the Holy Spirit for your life, next on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Contrary to popular thinking, it is the Christian who's the freest. That doesn't mean there won't be a battle, but the difference is the Christian can win it by the Spirit's help. Why then are so many Christians losing the fight against sin? It's not because there aren't resources available. God's provided all that's needed, but they're not relied upon. More on that in just a moment, but first, we want to welcome you to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Pastor Ed will visit Acts chapter 1 and John chapter 14 and show us the believer can live a victorious life in the Spirit. We'll start off in Galatians 5. Notice what Paul says here in verse 16 of Galatians 5. He says, it's a command. It's a directive. I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things you wish. That's the issue. There's such a battle going on in your life. When you choose to be fleshly, you will be fleshly. The spirit of God is going to take you toward him and toward the work that he wants to do in your life. He says in verse 18, if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. So, so what does the spirit look like in our lives? I think it's a great question. What do you mean, Ed? What does it look like to walk in the spirit? Well, jump down to verse 22. These are things that you can begin to look for in your life. The spiritual man, the spiritual woman, these are characteristics to look for. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, or another translation says patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. The work of the Spirit in your life are going to represent these characteristics. You see, when you're walking in the Spirit, your decisions are going to go toward the Spirit. You're going to be making spiritual decisions. You're going to be finding God giving you the wisdom to handle the situation that's in front of you. You're not going to be blown up and flying off the handle. You're not going to be complicating or making things worse. You're not going to be running away and cowering in the flesh. You're going to be standing and enduring. And these characteristics are going to be flowing from your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's no law against these things. They're encouraged. But so much of the flesh in our lives, the flesh. Well, Ed, what's the flesh? The flesh is who we used to be. The flesh is how we used to do things. The flesh is taking things. In, the flesh is Peter before the Spirit. Just kind of standing in his own strength, his own wisdom, taking care of things. He had the same personality, but it was unrestrained. He made things worse, not better. And you'll notice back in verse 16, when you walk in the Spirit, mark these words. You shall not. Mark those words. Shall not. 
It doesn't say should not. It doesn't say better not. A better translation can be you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You won't. When you walk in the spirit, you won't be a fleshly person. You'll be a spiritual person. You'll be someone that have, have the characteristics and the marks of Jesus Christ abiding in your life. That's a promise of great importance that when you and I walk in the spirit, when you and I walk in the spirit, we're not going to be fulfilling the flesh. That means there's no more striving, no more going through religious rituals, that there's no need to, to work hard and try hard. You just relax and enjoy the presence of God in your life. And to me, that's a personal goal of mine. One that I want to cultivate and continue just to enjoy the Lord, to be caught up in his presence, to tune my ears to listen to him, to talk with him, to enjoy him, to enjoy my new relationship with him, to be reminded of what I was saved from. You know, when I wake up in the morning and do my devotions, I open up the Bible. It's not because I have to. I want to hear from the Lord for the morning. I want to hear what he has to say. When I turn my attention to him and just pray to him throughout the day, whether I'm stopping what I'm doing and quieting myself for an extended time of prayer or just praying all day as different things come up, as I'm driving, as I'm thinking, just praying. I'm praying not because I have to, not because the Bible tells me to, because I want to be in relationship with the Lord. I want to share my heart with him. I want to cast my cares upon him because he cares for me. I want to pray for other people. I want to pray for the difficulties that I've been ministering to or the situations that are coming up. I want to, I, I want to do that because I, I want to enjoy him. It, it doesn't take any effort, any energy to enjoy the Lord. It's sort, of like, it's sort of like putting on your favorite song. You know you have a favorite song? You guys have a favorite song? Does it take any energy or effort to enjoy that favorite song? It doesn't. I mean, unless it's country music, then... I grew up with country music. I was forced to listen to it. But think about it. You have your favorite song, no matter what genre it might be. It it doesn't take much to enjoy it. That's why you put it on. You put it on because you like it. You start singing with it. You start tapping with it. You mean you get caught up in the music. The same picture is with the Lord. You get caught up in the Lord. You get caught up in his presence, in his love for you. You begin to rehearse all of the wonderful things that God has done. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. And his goodness is your reminder. It doesn't take anything to enjoy your favorite song. And listen, it doesn't take any effort to enjoy the Lord. You're just caught up in his presence. He's in you and you're in him. He's your friend. He's for you, not against you. Walking in the Spirit is not an option. It's a command. But as we walk in obedience, we do so because we want to, because we get to. And might I just say this, as you're walking in the Spirit, you will not make a fleshly decision. You won't. You know what that means? That means if you make a fleshly decision, if you make a decision that's human and sinful, you made it, not the Spirit of God. You made that decision to go against the ways of God. You made that decision to disobey. You made it. And that's why God would call us back to repentance. God would call us back to a place. Listen, if you are planning on doing something against God's word today, don't do it. I'm just dropping that seed in you. 
Like if you are planning right now, it doesn't matter if you feel justified doing it. It doesn't matter if you figured out a way around what the Bible says. It doesn't matter if you found a technicality as it comes to this. It doesn't matter if it makes you feel good. And it doesn't matter if it is against God and his word. Don't do it. Walk in the spirit instead. Choose the spirit today. Choose to go toward him. Choose to enjoy him. Walk in the spirit. Walk in the Spirit. You won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. God wants to change you on the inside, church. And he is as you cooperate him, with him in obedience. The work of the Spirit is always an inside job. Always. He's in you and upon you in power to use you in a mighty way, to encourage you, to strengthen you, to establish you. Let me show you something before we head into communion. Would you turn over to Philippians chapter 2 with me, please? Philippians chapter 2. I believe you would do very well to memorize these two verses, to hide them in your heart, to deposit them in the depths of your heart so that you would not sin against the Lord. This is a promise of God when we come to this section that Paul is writing to Philippians. It's so glorious. It's so wonderful. It's so encouraging when he says, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. He says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Pause there just for a moment. Because so many people stop right here. You might have even done this and made this mistake yourself. Where you take a verse like this and you go, Well, God tells me I'm supposed to work. So I'm going to work really hard. I'm going to work out my salvation. I'm going to do everything I can at church. And I'm going to serve in every other area. And I'm just going to work, work, work because I love God and I love my salvation. And I'm going to work with fear and trembling. I just want you to notice real quick here that it doesn't say you're supposed to work for your salvation. And it's also not a passage of scripture that says, you know, just go out now that you're saved. Just go work and work yourself into the ground. He's talking about the new life that you and I have. Listen, church, we aren't saved by good works. We're saved by the grace of God. It's his finished work. But we are saved for good works. It's one of the things you can look for in your life. A changed life, a changed mind will change your behavior. And so work out, live a life that fears God because the fear of God will deal a death blow to the fear of man. When you fear God, you live with a holy careful reverence of who God is, man, you're in such a sweet spot to be used by him, to honor him and to please him. So it's not just work, work, work. That's not this verse. Rather, just the opposite because verse 13 is the end of the sentence. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling because it's God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Now that is encouraging. Don't miss this. It says in verse 13, it is God who works in you. Now I want you to read that with me, in you. Ready? For it is God who works in you. Now make it personal. We're going to read it again, but this time say in me. For it is God who works in me. It is. It is God that works in me. It's God that works in me. He's deposited himself in me. The Bible says that you and I are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That God dwells in us. That he's changing us from the inside out. He's, God is not so much concerned how long you walk with him. Like, 
the means of our spiritual growth is not measured in terms of transportation. Well, what I mean by that is you can't just say, well, you know, I've been walking with the Lord for 30 years. I've been saved since I was six. Hey, if it hasn't, your life hasn't changed, it's time to allow the Lord to transform you. Not transportation. That's not, not as important as transformation. It's great that you've known the Lord since seven years, since you were seven years old. It's great that you've been a re- very religious person, but you don't reflect the characteristics of God. So what difference does it make? You're just religious. I'll tell you what difference it makes. God wants to change you from the inside out. He wants to change you and use you and transform you, like the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, into the image of Jesus Christ. No longer you, but him. Because it's God that works in you. God is working in you. You know, sometimes I think we forget that it's God. It's God working in us. We so easily forget in the everyday hassles of life that God is working we so easily forget that it's God first. It's God now. And it's God in the future. Right? The Bible says that he is both the author and what? Finisher of our faith. He is both the alpha, the beginning of the Greek alphabet, and the omega, A to Z, we would say. That God, he was there in the beginning, known you from the foundations of the, of the world. He is with you now and has promised to finish what he started in your life. It's not just God back then. And it's not just God in the future. It is God completely working in your life. Any good thing that comes from our lives comes from the Lord. Anything. And the Bible says that he has promised to complete what he finished. That he'll perfect that which concerns us. It's God that's working. You know what that means? That means the pressure's off of you and me. The pressure's off. It doesn't depend upon all of you. It's not how much you can work hard and how much you can read and how many times you come to the Bible study and how many good deeds you... It's it's not that at all. It's like flipping on your favorite song. Just flipping on your consciousness of the Lord. Consciousness, like living with the consciousness of God. If you think about it, how many things happen to you and me in a day that are causing us to forget the Lord? Just the consciousness of God. It's not like he disappeared. It's not like he's abandoned us. But we live life sometimes like we have forgotten he's with us. Not only is he with us, but he's in us. And we've forgotten not only is he with us and in us, but he's also working in us through us. If you like to write in your Bible, circle the word works there in chapter uh, 2, verse 13. It's God who works, and right next to it, you can write the word energy. The Greek word is energio. It's where we get our English word energy. There is an energy inside of you. God is working in his person with his power. His power. It's not us trying. It's God doing through us by his spirit and his plans for you are much larger than you even have he loves you (laughs) you think god loves you he loves you as his own child adopted you into his family by the blood of jesus christ i would even go to as far to say is that god is madly in love with you he loves you in your family he loves your kids and your grandkids He loves you in your workplace, all the good that you're doing in society, all the hard things that you face, all the people that you help. He loves you. He created you, God did, and put you on this planet with a work that only he can uniquely accomplish. 
and you're not alone. And you're not on your own. God reminds us that we're in this together by his love. He's working to accomplish things in your life. All the load and the pressure is off of you, church, because he's working out inside of you. You know, we don't always know what God's will is. I know some of you, when we mentioned earlier that you're waiting, some of the things you're waiting for is like, God, what are you doing? We don't always know what the will of God is, and we don't always know what God is doing or how something's going to be accomplished. But we do know this, that God is for us, he's not against us, and he is working in us. It's God working. And because God's working in us, then we can believe what the Bible says is that God is working all things together for the good, for those that love him and those that are called according to his purpose. We can believe that. That gives purpose and meaning in some small way until heaven, in some small way of how we're to deal with all the pains and setbacks and sufferings in this world because there are many. The world has fallen, touched and tainted by sin. And so don't beat yourself up over your own weaknesses and your own failures. Don't beat yourself up or what the Bible would say. Don't condemn yourself for the reality of your humanity, that you're not living up to some standard that's been created because you see yourself falling short all the time. God made you to enjoy fellowship with him. The work is done and over, and what's left is to enjoy Jesus in fellowship, just like you do in so many other ways in your life, allowing him to work through you. Now, there's two things that he's doing that should just absolutely blow your mind and be received as gifts. Notice what he's doing. Number one, God works in you both to will, to will. Next to that, you can circle the phrase to will and write desires. God is changing your desires. Have you noticed that? God is changing your desires. Like the things that you want to do and the things that you're into now, you have new desires, new wants, new wishes. It's completely different. Think about it. Can you think back to before you were saved? Do you think differently now than back then? Yes or no? Amen? Anybody? Like I was thinking last night, Saturday night. Hey, on Saturday night, my desires definitely had nothing to do with being in church on a Saturday night. Or Sunday morning, for that matter. I remember as a kid. I remember as a kid, all of a sudden, just immediately, we stopped going to church. We used to go to church, and then about the sixth grade, we just stopped. Never a word, never an explanation. But I'll tell you what, as a sixth grader, sleeping in and watching cartoons, fine with me. But man, I don't even need an alarm on Sunday mornings right now. My heart is so to gather with the saints It's so to be a part of what God's doing, whether it's in this church or we're traveling somewhere else. I just want to be with other believers. I want to hear what God has to say with me. Think about your desires. They're so different now. Some of your desires are so different, it blows your own mind. You can't believe it. You're like thinking, I can't believe this. Like maybe, you know, when it comes to money, maybe there was a time in your life when you literally, you even voiced this, you might have written, wrote it on on your mirror in your bathroom. You're going to be a millionaire. A millionaire. And you could already see yourself retiring at 25, sipping on a nice non-alcoholic beverage 
on the beaches of Kauai. And then what will we do in the afternoon? Well, maybe we'll fly over to Honolulu and do the same thing there. Millions, millions. It meant to you, it meant to you easy street, an easy life. But now as a believer, God has taken that desire and maybe even that skill to make money. And now it's no longer for yourself. You find as much as you take in, you want to give away in the name of Jesus. You want to become a philanthropist. Did I say that right? I messed it up for service. You want to give it all away. It's easier to say that. It's not that desire or drive anymore to be very good and successful in what you do. The motive has changed. The motive has changed. Maybe at one time growing up, you know, your desire and dream job is to be a teacher. A very noble profession. Wonderful. Thank you for being teachers. But now as a believer, education to you has a whole new meaning. You don't see yourself as just being a good teacher and just educating the next generation. Now you see yourself as an ambassador of Jesus Christ in a very dark and difficult place to establish those kids with the love of Jesus Christ. Teaching them two plus two at the same time. Everything changed. You're still doing what God planted in you, desired, but now it's for the Lord. Your desires have changed. You have different wants different desires. Maybe at one time you wanted to be famous. You wanted to make music and be famous. But now, now you know that any success in your life, no matter what you do, is only to glorify and bring honor to Jesus Christ. You're still doing the same thing, but you have new desires now. He's working in you. It could be that you're very successful in what you do, as we mentioned earlier. But now the Lord's just spoken to you to turn your back on that and to go into the mission field for the sake of the gospel. So many new desires. Your desire to please God and to enjoy him actually came from God. And that's what he's working in you. You're listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Ed, earlier in the message today, you pointed out that the big issue in many believers' lives is that they're depending upon the flesh more than the spirit. And I was wondering if you'd take a couple of minutes to elaborate on that. Well, you know, Larry, I didn't know how important this would be uh, throughout my 30 plus years of walking with the Lord. But early on, uh, as a new believer, I was told to memorize Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. So let me just pass it on first and foremost to everyone listening, part of our Abounding Grace family, or maybe you're listening for the very first time and God has your attention right here in the program. I'm telling you, I'm not asking, I'm telling you, memorize Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all your ways, and He'll direct your paths. That foundational truth, those foundational truths have helped me along the way not to lean on my own flesh or my own resources or my own thinking or my own education or my own understanding on things. Although I have made that sinful mistake countless times, the way of the Lord is to follow him, the newness and the freshness of surrendering him to him, living for him, being in the word, reading the Bible every day, praying every day. And knowing that the Holy Spirit is going to lead you. you you're, you're not as smart as God. You, you, although you might be an expert in an area or two, you're not the expert. 
And while you might be able to comfort others, you're not the comforter. And I think you get the point. We want to lean upon the Lord, not on our own understanding. So memorize that and know that walking in the Spirit is far superior than living in the flesh. Thanks for that, Pastor Ed. Are you interested in hearing this again? It's easy to do when you visit AboundingGraceRadio.com or through our church app. Do a search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play to download that to your mobile device. All this month, we're featuring an excellent book by Scott Sauls titled, Beautiful People Don't Just Happen. We all have regrets, hurts, and fears, and they can weigh us down, even make us feel like there's no way out. In Beautiful People Just Don't Happen, you'll learn how God redeems regret, hurt, and fear in the making of better humans. And we'll send it your way for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace today. Call toll-free 877-30-GRACE. Again, we're at 877-30-GRACE. Or order it online at calvaryco.store. And thank you for your support as it allows us to bring the teaching of God's Word to stations like this every day. We're constantly hearing from folks all over the world that are being blessed, and your gifts help to make that possible. You can donate through our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Here's a question. How has Abounding Grace blessed you? We want to hear. And it's easy to share your thoughts and prayer requests at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Scroll down to the bottom of our homepage and connect with us. We'll return to the Gospel of John next time out on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.